We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're in this series on the Holy Spirit, and there's no other way to say it than we've been going to school. And so we're going to go to school on something called spiritual gifts today, spiritual gifts, um, which I'm excited about. Guys, I'm just really excited about where we are, what the fall is starting to shape up to be, and really what God's doing. Um, Steph, my wife, is now uh, tomorrow is technically her first day uh, as, as an employee of Regen, so she will be our discipleship director, and so we're really excited about some of those things and having that layer of organization, so it's, it's pretty cool. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's pray, okay? God, we ask today that you would interrupt our lives with your love and grace. God, we ask that you would, through your word, make yourself known to us in a fresh way. God, I know we all walk in with stuff today, but what we would like to know is your presence here among us. And even if this text doesn't feel like, oh man, this speaks exactly to where I'm at, would you somehow use a cross-reference, something I say off the cuff, to really remind us that you see us and you know us and you're speaking to us. Uh, we ask that we would be interrupted. We ask that we would hear your invitation, but we also ask that we would hear your challenge today. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's gonna keep happening Let's just all acknowledge that the roof makes weird noises, you know, and then it's there and it's done, okay? Nobody's breaking in, it's just the wind. Um, or, or, or the apocalypse, we don't know. Um, listen, as kids, we all have dreams of being superheroes, right? I mean, when I was growing up, for me, it was Power Rangers. I feel like for kids today, it's more like Avengers-oriented. Maybe when you were growing up, it was cops and robbers or, or uh, cowboys and Indians. Whatever it was, you had dreams of being a superhero. You had dreams of having a supernatural ability that you could tap into at will. And I bet right now, if I asked you, what superpower would you want if you could have any, even though a lot of us are grown up, you could still tell me exactly what, what, what superpower you would want. I mean, every man in the room wants the ability to read minds. <laughs> you know, if you could ask me, I, I would have the ability of teleportation. And listen, I, I'm actually pretty good with this. Like, I'm good with boundaries on superpowers. Like, one round trip a day to a place that I have seen are fair rules if I can do, have some teleportation in my life. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so we all have these desire for superpowers, for these abilities that we could tap into, abilities from without ourselves. Spider-Man's bit by a weird atomic spider and, you know, and, and, and we want to be able to tap into these powers for the benefit of others. And then we hear of this thing called the Holy Spirit, this person called the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, and Jesus says, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you what you're going to hear me say, I'm going to just go ahead and say anyway, what I'm telling you today is there's this thing in the New Testament called spiritual gifts, and when we tap into our spiritual gifts, we really are superheroes. We really do have access to a power beyond ourselves that is for the benefit of the others. So maybe it's not teleportation, maybe it's not reading minds, maybe it's not you know, leaping tall buildings in a single bound, but what if it's welcoming others into your home and into your life in such a way that they feel changed? What if it's serving so that others can experience goodness? What if it's teaching? What if it's, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, and spiritual gifts are 
the work of the Spirit. We looked at all those miracles that the Holy Spirit does. We looked at that miraculous stuff in the book of Acts. This is one of those things, friends. This is one of those things that the Holy Spirit works within us and beside us to give us abilities that we might not otherwise have for a purpose. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, especially verses 4 through 11. Paul writes about, uh, about spiritual gifts in a number of places. In fact, in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, those texts look a lot alike. But look at what Paul says in chapter 12, starting in verse 4. He says, you know, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. He says, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7, he says, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to some, someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and in another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes these gifts, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. You know, when Paul wants to talk about the Spirit's power at work within us, he says that one of the ways that the Spirit's manifests himself in our lives is through equipping us with spiritual gifts for the benefit of others and accomplishing the mission. Now remember, the missionary father sends the missionary son who gives the missionary spirit to a missionary people, and to that missionary people, the spirit distributes gifts, tools, abilities, so that we can accomplish that mission effectively. And, and, and they're listed throughout the New Testament in this chart that kind of has small font, but in Romans 12, Paul talks about the gift of exhortation or challenge or encouraging, the gift of giving and leadership and mercy and prophecy and, and service and teaching. In 1 Corinthians 12, in this whole chapter, he lists a whole bunch of things, administrations, apostling, discernment, faith, healings, helps, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, teaching, tongues, and tongues interpretation, wisdom. In Ephesians 4, Paul kind of writes a summary list that these five gifts kind of wrap up the other gifts in apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. 1 Peter 4, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's manifold grace. Whoever speaks, speaks as one who is an oracle of God, whoever serves with the strength that God provides so that in everything God might be glorified through Christ Jesus our Lord. Peter talks about speaking and serving. In, in the New Testament, celibacy, singleness, is a spiritual gift used the same way, described the same way as every other spiritual gift in the New Testament. A charisma, a spiritual gift is given to those who are single. A charisma, a spiritual gift is given to those who are married. A charisma, a spiritual gift is given to those who are martyrs, who die for their faith. And, and Paul says that this missionary father who sends the missionary son, who gives the missionary spirit, this missionary spirit gives freely resources to each one of us to accomplish the mission. I want to kind of set some ground rules about spiritual gifts and then look at kind of what God's purpose is in them. And, and, and here's the first thing that we need to realize is that the list here is not an exhaustive list. When Paul lists 
uh, spiritual gifts in the New Testament. He's not creating the end-all, be-all list. In fact, there's other gifts that he doesn't list. For example, what Joey and Julia and our team does, that's a spiritual gifting that Paul doesn't list. But in the Old Testament, musicians in the temple were described as having be, being full of the Spirit. Uh, artisans in the Old Testament that constructed the temple and the tabernacle, God said, I have chosen this one person for his skill, and I put my spirit inside of him for the, de- the decoration and designing of the temple. Art is a spiritual gift. See, the list here is not exhaustive. The list here is not exhaustive. That's the first thing to recognize. There's other spiritual gifts. The second thing you need to realize is that absolutely everyone who steps across the line of faith gets a gift. Absolutely everyone who steps across the line of faith gets a gift. Do you remember in Harry Potter, the first movie, you know, Harry gets the letter and he goes to Hogwarts. And uh, when you go to Hogwarts, you're put into a house. So they had to put on the sorting hat, right? And Harry's afraid when he puts on that sorting hat that he's not going to be sorted into a house. He's afraid that the sorting hat's going to go on his head and that he's just going to get sent home. See, that's how a lot of us act about spiritual gifts. We're afraid that the spirit will have passed over us, that the spirit has given some people gifts, but not me. But that's not true. Every person, the New Testament says, receives a gift. In fact, there's this interesting thing where most of the time when you see the word you in the New Testament, it's you plural, it's y'all. The New Testament letters are written to y'all, but Paul and Peter get very specific as each one has received a gift. Not as y'all have received gifts, but as each one of y'all, as every single one of y'all has received a gift. The minute you stepped across the line of faith, whether you realize it or not, you were bit by the spider that bit Peter Parker, and that spider is the Holy Spirit. You were given a spiritual gift, an ability that you might not otherwise have for not for yourself or for the sake of anything, but for the sake of the kingdom. Absolutely Everyone gets a gift. And lest I forget to say it, God does not look at your past and say, I probably shouldn't give a gift. God does not look at your age and say, when you retire from work, you retire from your giftedness. Nor does God look at a child and say, they're too young to have a spiritual gift. A church that we're going to be partnering with in Fort Wayne to learn a discipleship strategy starts teaching kids that five-fold model, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. They teach that to kids in third grade so that at third grade, you know your spiritual giftedness and your purpose in the kingdom. And the rest of their children and youth ministry is built around kids operating in their spiritual giftedness. If you have claimed the name of Jesus in your life, you have a spiritual gift. It might be one of those listed you may not fully understand it, but, but listen, even though there are things that we are gifted in, there are things that we are still commanded to do. You know, if you look at this list, one of the things is it says giving is a spiritual gift. Well, we also just passed around buckets, right, so that we could worship God through our giving. See, there's a command on every person who believes in Jesus to give of what God has given them, to practice generosity, to practice giving. But some people have the spiritual gift of giving. There's some people, a, a person in particular at the Grace Campus, that when we have a need, I just get on the phone with somebody and I say, hey, you know, I, I need to send a kid to camp and, and we don't have all the cash. And before I can even say it, he says, the check's going to be in the mail. See, Scripture tells people, says that we are to give cheerfully. People with the gift of giving give speedily. That check is just written and in the mail. I mean, people with the gift of evangelism, we're all called to evangelize. We're all called to share our faith with the next person who doesn't know. But people with the gift of evangelism, they are so good at it, it's freaky. Do you know what I mean? We, we have friends, uh, Rick and Brigetta, that when we go out to dinner with them, sometimes they'll say to the waitress, hey, how can we pray for you? 
And man, will that girl just, or that guy just spill their guts to us at Olive Garden. Do you know what I mean? If I do that, they always kind of are like, no, I'm fine. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, okay, great. Now I'm in this place. See, people with the spiritual gift, I mean, it's just more effective. And, and unless I forget to say this too, the reason we want to discover our spiritual gifts is because when you're operating in your giftedness, it is fun. Listen, preaching and teaching are my giftedness. The most fun I have on any, in any given week is what I'm doing right now. I'm having a blast. I just got to let you know. Not because I'd like to entertain you or make you laugh, but because I'm operating in my giftedness. Man, when you're operating in your giftedness, there's such joy there. That's why we got to figure out what your gift is and get you into that. No, this is the other thing. There's a lot of gifts. Like, look at that list. I mean, if that's just even a sample list, that's a lot of gifts. There's a big difference between the gift of giving and the gift of serving and the gift of hospitality and the gift of singleness. Those are very vastly different spiritual gifts. But, you know, if you think about when I was in marching band, I played saxophone, but there were a lot of other instruments on the field. You know, if you think about the calves, even though it's kind of like LeBron time all the time, LeBron can't do what he does unless there are other players. You know, you know like when the, when the Cleveland Browns, man, when they array their team out on that field, man, are they just so good. Okay, wait a minute, wrong team. When the Pittsburgh Steelers array their team on the field, man, are they just so good, right? I mean, there's a diversity in the gifts that are, is to be celebrated. There's a diversity in the gifts. If you think about a kaleidoscope, you know, those things that we had when we were kids, it's made of all these little different pieces. There's those blue ones and those green ones and those yellow ones, those orange ones, those red ones, those orangish bluish ones, and they're just little pieces of plastic, but when you twist those together, different pictures come together out of the diversity of those pictures. The diversity of gifts, even in our community, is really something to be celebrated. It's something to be excited about. You know, Paul writing about gifts in Romans 12. Dan, I need you to pull up the, the slide. It says, because of this privilege and authority. Okay, so I don't know who, the one, there you go. So I don't know who puts these slides together. Uh, it's me. Uh, but that should say, that should say Romans 12, 5 through, uh, Romans 12, verses 3 through 5. Paul, when he starts talking about spiritual gifts in Romans 12, says this. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. See, I grew up in church, and so some verses are just stuck in your head. And one of those verses stuck in my head is, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. That's what that verse is. Don't but look at the context. For those of us that have been in church, look at that context. It's about spiritual gifts. He says, don't think you're better than you really are. Instead, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Listen, the diversity of the gifts Paul likens to our bodies. He does this in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Listen, if my body was all hand, First of all, that would be creepy. Actually, do you remember there was a Power Rangers bad guy that was all eyeballs? Do you remember that? Okay. Creepy and ineffective, right? If it, listen, my body works because there's a diversity of parts and pieces that I have two feet and some knees and elbows and a mouth and ears. And Paul says, listen, if your whole body were an ear, it wouldn't be very good. He, he, he's, but, but we need all of the gifts working together in order to be who God has called us to be. Listen, the reason that you need to know your spiritual gift and share it with us is when you don't share your spiritual gift with us, it's like we're, we're doing everything we do with our hands tied behind our back. We're doing everything that we're doing. This is why I want to help us figure this out. And if at some point, by the way, you're like, Kyle, I want to know my spiritual gift. Send me an email. I send you a test that I really do really like. But, but, but here's the deal. There, there's a couple of pieces 
about this diversity that are important to remember. The first is that we need absolutely every gift working together for the same purpose. And the second thing is that we do not shame one another for not having a gift that we think is important. Because listen, if you have one spiritual gift, man, people with the spiritual gift of mercy, they're like, who needs help? Who needs help right now? And it, but if we all had the spiritual gift of mercy, we'd be all really tired. Man, if we all had the spiritual gift of teaching, church would be even longer than it already is because it would just be talking, 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 talking. I mean, if we all had the gift of giving, we would have a lot of money and nothing to do with it, but it's in the diversity of the gifts that God works. It's in the diversity of the gift that God moves, and it's in the diversity of the gifts that are pointed to one purpose. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He says, and Paul says, a spiritual gift is given so that we can boss each other around. Nope. Spiritual gift is given so we can lord it over one another. Nope, a spiritual gift is given, why? So we can help one another, so we can serve one another. Listen, Corinth is a messed up church. We gotta preach through 1 Corinthians because it makes you feel real good because no church is as dysfunctional as this church. I mean, somebody in the Corinth church, 1 Corinthians chapter five, he was sleeping with his stepmom, not taking naps, you know I mean, sleeping with them. And, and, and that's not okay. I mean, they, they were fighting about stuff. I mean, one of them was like, well, Paul baptized me. I'm very important. Another guy was like, well, Apollos baptized me. <laughs> I'm pretty cool too. I mean, it's not okay. And, and the spiritual gifts, the Corinth church was using them as a club to beat each other over the head and to compete for authority. Well, I have the gift of prophecy. I must be the most important. No, I have the gift of, of apostleship. I must be most important. I have the gift of mercy. We, and, and Paul says, no, your gifts are not to lord over one another and, and to beat one another. Your gifts are to, to serve one another, to accomplish the kingdom purpose that God has given us. Listen, guys, church is God's plan A for saving the world. And fun fact, there is no plan B. God, the church is God's plan A. As messed up and screwed up as we are, we are plan A for God to save the world. And he uses these gifts, he distributes these gifts to us that we might join him in that work. Now here's the thing about spiritual gifts. Absolutely every time I've heard him taught about, even the way I'm teaching them now, it's about, it seems to be more about what I can do than more about what God does, right? And I want us to kind of Maybe see if we can't just shift our view on spiritual gifts a little bit to say, yeah, these are the, the abilities that I have that I can uniquely contribute to our, our community. But I, I also want us to look at what is God trying to accomplish in us with our spiritual gifts? And, and there's three things. There's three things. First, I think we need to think about our spiritual gifts, not as what we do, but what God does through us uniquely. Find difference. Preaching is not what I do. It's what God does through me uniquely. Worship is not what Julia does. It is what God does through her uniquely. Because what we tend to do is forget what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. He says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There's different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Who God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Listen, God works through us in our spiritual giftedness. And so what if it's not so much that I'm really good at preaching, but that God is really good at using me for preaching? What if it's not that, uh, uh, that, that Vanessa is really great at hospitality, but that God is really good at using Vanessa for hospitality? I mean, a fine difference, but when we start to think in that way, it's no longer about me, it's no longer about you, it's about the God who does what? The God who does the work in all of us. What if we thought about our spiritual gifts, not about what I do, but what God does through us? That's, that's, that's one thing. You know, what if spiritual gifts aren't things, but they're a reflection of God's very own character? 
See, we tend to think that God gives us things. When we think of grace, we think God gives us grace like I hand this coffee cup, like I take the cup and I hold on to it. Grace is not a thing. Grace is a person. It's Jesus. Truth is not a thing. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. Love is not an emotion. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me no more. What is love? God is love. Okay, these things aren't things. They're people. So spiritual gifts aren't things. They're a reflection of God's very own life and character. What if your spiritual gift of prophecy, which is used to speak truth to people, what if really what you're carrying around is like a mirror that really helps other people see God's truthfulness? What if when you have the spiritual gift of evangelism, it's like you have this little piece of God's character that you get to carry around and steward that, that reminds people that God really does love them? What if when you have the spiritual gift of shepherding and caring and serving for people, what, what if you, what you really have in your hands is not an ability but a connection to God's own life that is so special that you more than other people can help people see this God who loves and cares and shepherds us. I think that changes the name of the game because now what we're doing in our spiritual giftedness in this kaleidoscope is trying to help people get a glimpse of who God is. And when our, when our gifts work in concert together, now the trick is, all my music nerds in here, we gotta tune our instruments and, and follow the same beat and all this kind of stuff, right? But, but, but when we do that, you know what happens? It's not that we just get junk done. The kingdom is not about getting stuff done. The kingdom is about revealing the, the character and rule of God to the world. And so now what we're doing in this diversity of our gifts is helping people see Jesus. We're helping people see who God is and what he's like. What if that's what gifts are? And what if your gifts aren't just a way that God works through you? They're not just a piece of God that you get to show the world to what if God what if God has given you a spiritual gift for your holiness I'm wondering if God gives the gift of generosity to people who have too much of an affection for money and so he takes it and he turns it to his own direction I'm wondering if God has given Kyle the gift of teaching because I have plenty of my own opinions but what I'm called to do is only speak God's what if God has put in our midst teachers and preachers and, and spiritual gifts to mentor us in that? Because listen, if we're all called to give, we should probably talk to the person with the gift of giving about how to be more generous. If we're all called to serve, we should talk to the person who has the gift of serving so that I can learn how to be effective like they are. What if, what if these gifts were meant to form holiness and Christ's character in us? What if they're tools for our spiritual formation instead of heaven's job descriptions for us. I think when we get to see God in the center of our disciplines, what we'll, in the center of the gifts, what we'll also begin to see is God using our spiritual gifts in our church for a, for a specific purpose. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. I've, I've become pretty invested in a specific model of looking at spiritual gifts called the APEST, A-P-E-S-T, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher. Now, these five gifts are what Paul lists in Ephesians 4 and seem to wrap up the other gifts into themselves. And Paul says that God has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And, and here's the gifts, not cars, not Benzes, not planes. Darn it. Instead, he's given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And what is their responsibility? It's to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge in God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete stature of Christ. Listen, here's the vision for your spiritual gifts. This is what I should have led with. The vision for your spiritual gifts is they are abilities 
given to you so that God can work through you to bring about mission and ministry and maturity in the body. Spiritual gifts are aimed at mission and ministry and maturity. Look, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, what do they do? They do the work while everybody sits and watches them. No. My giftedness is to equip you to do ministry. Our giftedness is to equip one another to do ministry. This is not, we are no longer, friends, in a delivery culture. I'm not delivering you a product. This moment is to develop you so that you can develop others. That's what this hour is about. And so we get these five gifts. My gifts, if you're interested, are in apostleship and teaching. Um, Steph's are in prophecy and evangelism, I think. Zach is a shepherd teacher. Mitch, Mitch is a prophet and a shepherd. There's a kind of a combo. Uh, and when we work these gifts together, these five kind of large picture functions of the body, when we work those together, that's when, that's when we're running on all cylinders. A lot of churches, what do they do? They hire a pastor to teach them, and they have two of the five cylinders running. It doesn't work that way. This is how the early church worked. And what did it do? It brought about ministry, equipping God's people to do his work and build up his church, and maturity, that we all come to such unity in our faith. That's the vision of spiritual gifts, is that we would be equipped with abilities through the Spirit so that the Spirit could work through us to accomplish the mission that God has given us in ministry and with maturity. We're trying to grow up as a church a little bit. We're trying to grow up and be mature, and the way that we do that is tapping into these gifts and using them. Listen, here's what I want to leave you with. The reason spiritual gifts are good news is because they balance out how we screwed up the church in about 1200. And here's what we did. We professionalized the clergy. I'm getting a master's degree in divinity. In earlier days, you could get a doctorate in divinity. I will not have mastered divinity in two years and 50 more credit hours. And if I have, we should stone me because I don't know, right? What we did is we professionalized the clergy. And so what we did is we sent one or two people off to a school to learn all the spiritual gifts and come back and do those things for us. And then what happened is we get smart guys and smart women that know how to do this. And then you start thinking, well, I don't know how to do those things. So I'm just going to sit back. Maybe I'll do a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but we'll leave it to the professional Christians to do that. I mean, Kyle works for the church. I mean, we pay him to be a Christian, don't we? I mean, we pay him to do the right thing. This is why you don't want to work for a staff because now, I mean, staff's now paid to be a Christian, I guess. I don't know. But no, that's not what the vision Jesus had in mind. Now, Jesus appoints leaders and churches of any domain of gifting. You happen to have somebody in the apostle teaching domain, but you could just as easily have an evangelist shepherd or a a prophet teacher or anything like that. But my job primarily, I get paid 40 hours a week to equip you to do these things. I I get paid 40, 50, 60 hours a week to, to equip you to join God in what he's doing. And the reason that's really good news is God doesn't care about how ill equipped you feel. God doesn't care about how ill-equipped you feel. God doesn't care that you have a messed up past. He didn't say, ooh, that person's gonna need a background check, probably shouldn't give them any uh, spiritual gifts. Instead, what God does is he gifts us to join him in this work. And Jesus says, I have told you these things so that your joy would be full. In this work that we do, here's actually a secret. Do you know what I get paid 60 hours a week to do, 50 hours a week to do? I get paid to have a ton of fun with people as we join God and work together. 
And you don't need to be paid to find in your vocation your spiritual giftedness bubbling up at work and bubbling up in your home and bubbling up in such a way that God's kingdom is wherever you are. That's what spiritual gifts are about. Listen, it's not about how equipped you are or what you don't know because God does not call the equipped. Those of us who have been in church, we've heard this 80 times and so it's cute, right? But, you know, when Vanessa and I have heard or Steph and I have heard something like for 50 millionth time, somebody's just hearing it for the first time. So hear me on this. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. God does not call the equipped. He does not look to draft the most effective player. He takes the guy that didn't even make it to the draft and brings him to the top. Do you see what I'm saying? God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Don't disqualify yourself when the Spirit of the Lord is. Jesus has this moment in the Gospel of Matthew where he says he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, you know, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his harvest field. Ooh, the apostles, they were dummies. Big, big dummies. You know why they went and prayed that? They said, Jesus said to pray this, let's pray this. And two chapters later, Jesus sends those same guys out two by two to cast out demons and to perform miracles. You pray this and it's not like God, like you're praying this and you're thinking, that person who sits three chairs over and two back from me, God, would you send them out into the harvest field? No, you pray that and God like, bink, bink, you were saying, do you know what I mean? And he equips you and he gives you these gifts, not so that you can be Superman or Batman, but that you can carry God into the world. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we give you thanks for who you are and how you invite us to join you in the redemption and reconciling of all things to yourself. Those are big sentences. Those are big words. But at their core, Jesus, they're really about how you just want to work in and through us for us to have more of you. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would help us have more of you today, that we would know our gift at this, that we'd follow you into the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.